You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 130, covering Timescape and Descent, Part 1. Hi friends, it is the end of Season 6 already. That's been... Actually, it's been quite a heck of a ride. It's been a ride. Across I mean, there's, a there's of been television. there's been some pretty good episodes in season six that we were not expecting there to be. There, there have, and I usually am the one who claims memory of this season is good as this season is bad, and I think you kind of looked to me uh, for that, and and I failed you there because yep. I said season six sucked and I lied. You let however, me down, Al. However, what? <laughs> there's two bits of good news here, Matt. First of all, the next episode really sucks. Oh yeah. And the second, going over episode by episode in season seven, the most of those suck too. Oh, good. So I was right, sort of. Just this not is exciting for us. Six. A lot of, lot of, lot of fun stuff happening. <laughs> the thing is, as a comedy show, bad episodes means we can make more jokes at least. Yep. Instead of saying, "Yee, Star Trek is so great, Star Trek is so," great. you know, because uh, you know, that, that, that's fine. I enjoy both of those things. I got to tell you. Yeah, but. When we only do the, you know, the the giddy thing, or we only do the we hate it thing, mm-hmm. you know, both of those can get a little, uh, a little old uh, in and of themselves. Which is fortunate this week that we got one of each. We get the we get that great that that great sweet spot we love being in. Yep. Which is one really not great episode and one episode we quite liked. Why don't I tell you about Timescape, or as you called it, Tim Escape? You're <laughs> <laughs> laughing at your own joke. Would not be the first time. I suppose that's true. So, the Enterprise is thrown into deadly danger as Riker babysits Spot. Maybe these two things are connected, and maybe they aren't. Meanwhile, Picard, Geordi, Troy, and Data, who are all apparently scientists now, are returning from a scientific conference where they appear to have stolen a runabout from Deep Space Nine. See, now there's the episode I'd rather be seeing. The daring heist of a small, warp-capable craft by four senior officers of Starfleet's flagship. Instead, we get... Well, remember that one where the Enterprise kept exploding? Ah! The writer of that episode decided he wanted to make that story again, and I quote, times 10, which sadly does not mean 10 Kelsey's grammar and data leaving clues involving the number 30. Instead, it means that some fruit dies. <laughs> Picard draws a smiley face on some smoke, and there are some aliens made of time. Or maybe they're from time. I don't know. Aren't we all from time? Please don't ask me to make sense of this episode. Seriously, my notes contain 16 occurrences of the word bullshit, several of them in the same sentence. Here's what you need to know. Some stuff happens with time. Then we hit a big reset button where most of this never happened and nobody learns a damn thing. You know how you can test out of college courses? I feel like this episode allows us to test out of Voyager because that description sounds like about half the episodes I remember of that show. Maybe this is the only episode to talk about temporal narcosis, which is like when time makes you crazy, like diving in water makes you crazy. Or maybe they all do that. I bet they all do that. I bet temporal narcosis has its own memory alpha entry. Nope, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Oh, son of a bitch. So did you know that by diving into time, you can go crazy? I know that now because Picard painted a smiley face on something, and that's what that means. It's the only justification. It's weird because, you know, we all spend literally our entire lives in time. Yeah, I'm from time, and so are you. Yeah. That's how time works. We live works. there. We, we yeah. built our houses here. Yep. I've I've spent uh, pretty much every waking moment of my life measuring the waking moments with time, which is where yep. I live. Yeah, I... And yet? And yet. 
this is this is just yet another one of those. And I say yet another. We've only had a handful so far. But God, I, do they stick out? I, nothing. I, I said this as we were watching it. This could have been any four characters. Yep. There's nothing that happens in this that calls on the expertise of the characters. There's nothing that, uh, you know, their specific characteristics allow for interesting things to happen to give you insights into them. Nothing. Just nothing. No. I mean, the closest we... I do like uh, that they, we have uh, Deanna knowing about Romulan ships because she was on one for a couple of days. Yeah. That is a but, neat like, that's idea. about it. And the thing is, they have her knowing about all this engineering stuff. Which doesn't make any sense. Because she was Tal Shiar on a Romulan ship. She should know about security and about, like, state secrets and about, you know, like, espionage type stuff. Not about how the engines work. Yeah, no, apparently all that time she spent on the uh, on the Romulan ship, she was poring over the technical journals, Scotty style. Like so much uh, Worf's dad. <laughs> Actually, one of my bad things, we'll get to my other bad thing in a moment, was seriously, ev everyone's an engineer all of a sudden. Yep. Like, because all the entire story relies on Technobabble to keep it moving, they can't just give it all to Jordy and Data, so Picard and Troy have their own share of Technobabble as well. And it's like, well, why are they, like, that could just as easily be Riker and Worf, mm -hmm. or Beverly, no, because they are useful, so not Beverly, but, I don't know, Mr. Mott, maybe? <laughs> oh, sure, I know lots about how ships run. Isn't that right, Deanna? <laughs> oh, yes, Captain. There's so much just bad, like, techno-babble dialogue that even decent actors, even Patrick Stewart a couple of times. Yeah. But, but like, Marina Sirtis, who we know, who we've learned not too long ago, can carry stuff. Yep. She's just like, well, maybe the engines, like, she's just so, you could see the deer in the headlights look. You can see, yeah. like, well, I oh, guess I have God. to talk about tachyon some more. <laughs> it's It's like, you know... Braga does a lot of the uh, the techno babble crap, but this thing is it's it's more than half of this episode is people explaining stuff to each other. And once again, it's that thing that I keep saying that he does, which is he comes up with what he thinks is a cool idea, which is taking the idea of um, cause and effect, which was the Enterprise blowing up again and again, and trying to do it times ten. That was his quote. Yep. He wanted to do time running backwards and forwards and and freezing, and all we really got was everything was frozen and occasionally ran backwards very briefly. Yeah, and all of it was stupid. It just, it it wasn't entertaining. I felt like nothing was at stake. I felt like, mm -hmm. you know, it just just not good. Like, that actually leads into my bad thing. All right. The, the aspects of time running backwards are just fucking dumb. Yep. Like, there's a part where, um, there's a part where Picard walks on, it comes into some office or whatever to get some work done. They got a bowl of fruit on the table mm -hmm. from dinner last night. Mm-hmm. And he looks over at it, and he's like, "Yeah, this bowl of fruit's all rotted. That's weird. And he goes to touch it, and his hand gets all old and turns into a werewolf. Yeah, he, he chose poorly. Yes. It's, 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 it's fucking stupid. Well, the whole thing is there's a pocket of time there that's running way faster, and so his hand aged a week. Yeah. While he was touching the dead fruit. Did your fingernails grow that quickly in a week? I don't know. Maybe it was a month. They didn't say. It was a month. Like, I don't know. I, I bite my nails. I couldn't tell you. Nah. I don't know, sir. My fingernails grow. <laughs> I, I like the idea that it adds up over the years that Picard eventually Picard's hand dies a week before he does. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> he has to spend the rest of the week with a skeleton hand. <laughs> you know, I was about to make I was about to mock you for that, but it makes more sense than right? aliens made out of time. 
And to be clear, I did gloss over a bunch of stuff. Aliens made out of time were trying to protect their baby, which was made out of time that lived inside the artificial black hole inside a Romulan ship. So I understood what was going on. I just thought it was stupid. Yeah. This gets into the whole time isn't a real thing. thing time time you know? isn't a place you can go, and it's not a no. physical like substance that things can be made of no it's a big truck that you put things on matt no it's a giant series of tubes <laughs> you never heard of the time tubes come on i think that was also an episode of voyager no that sounds interesting to me <laughs> does it well it sounds more interesting than timescape there's also there's also a bunch of scenes where uh time is supposed to be running backwards yeah which basically is everyone running around really fast Benny Hill style backwards. It looks like if like if they had had one level of of special effects below this, you could see the tracking lines of the VCR that they had pushed rewind on. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like. It feels like they it feels like the Enterprise gets trapped in a VHS tape. Yep. Well, and what was it on in Memory Alpha? You can tell when I'm bored with an episode cuz usually I can find enough to say. Like, yeah. without having to look at Memory Alpha. I only look at Memory Alpha when I either want to see them apologize, which was the case here. Yep. Or if I get bored and just want some additional insights for something to talk about on the show, which was also the case here. I'm going to be mm -hmm. going there a lot, I imagine, when when we get to the big V. But oh, yeah. uh, for now, I was, I was hoping that someone would have something to say, like, well, this wasn't as good. No, the pitch was uh, a, a ship is stuck in time like like an insect stuck in amber. That does not sound like a very good episode. It sounds like the episode we got, which is boring. Mm -hmm. So, well, someone just came from Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, this would have been around that time. Yep. And instead of saying, why don't we have dinosaurs on a spaceship, which it would take, you know, Doctor Who 20-some more years to get to. Yep. Instead, they, they, they do this. What? What if that mosquito was a spaceship? That would be cool, right? <sighs> no. No, it wouldn't. Yes, fine. Let's put it on the entirely other end of the galaxy where no one will ever see it. Ah, that's what you think. <laughs> wait till you see the notes I've been putting together. Oh, no. Oh. Who let him pitch a series? Braga! <laughs> Damn it, Brannon. Delicious Brannon Bragas. Part um, of this complete breakfast. Now with marshmallow temporal anomalies also. Now with marshmallow temporal anomalies. <laughs> so, temporal anomalies. The only thing better yes. than temporal anomalies are temporal anomalies that look like a car wash from inside your car. They open this this uh, the the where they keep the singularity that runs a uh, a Romulan ship, which incidentally is they a cool open idea. the engine fridge. Yeah, the engine fridge, which I believe is what it's called on the schematics. Yep. Uh, I mean, in in the original Romulan, it's a little more elegant, but it's essentially the the engine fridge. The engine fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it really looks like uh, you know, when you're in a car wash in in your car and you're looking out the windshield and all you see is a bunch of splattered like you see some lights through the splattered foam. That yeah. is what it looked like. That is that is how much they devoted themselves to making some kind of cool time effect happen, which is zero. What are those black things? Oh, that's where we fucked up. <laughs> no, see, those are the time holes that the time bandits are jumping in and out of. Oh, of course. I was wondering what those little people were. No, they're, they're bubbles of time. The whole idea was that there were the, the, the space-time continuum had fragmented. Uh-huh. And that there were, like pockets around the whole ship around the whole everything where time was running faster or slower or stopped or in theory it's an interesting idea i guess mm -hmm. but there's so much like uh yeah shattered the space-time continuum 
integrated into its time frame. I took a lot of notes about the specific stuff that they said that just didn't make any sense to me. And and right. And again, a lot of the lot of the dialogue. Oh, my head, dizzy. Like it it reads like a you know, just a bad comic book or something. Just yeah. not not good. My God, what's happening to time? My head so dizzy. Must my hand like so a- old. But my hair is perfect. Ah, <laughs> uh, ooh, werewolves of Romulus. I love werewolf Picard. Yes, I know you do. But it's only werewolf hand Picard. Yes. It's just that we, he goes to reach for it, and then he pulls his hand back, and he's got super long fingernails, and he's holding it like he's turning into a monster. It looks like werewolf, It looks like American werewolf in Paris. See, I having not seen that, my thought was he chose poorly. Mm-hmm. Like the fruit was, you know, like the, the wrong grail. The fruit of the covenant. Yes, he chose fruit. He chose poorly. Yes. <laughs> See what I did there? Ah, mixing in a match. I, like, I like that. Let's uh, let's try to let's try to salvage a good thing. Let's let's think of some good things. All right. What was your good thing? Well, there are some nice character interactions. I can't. I don't even have yeah. to force this. Really, I will give Braga credit for when there's just sort of quiet scenes where two characters or even three or four characters are, are hanging out and being kind of yeah. cute. He's actually good at that. No, we've, um, the scene at the beginning where, uh, it's Picard, Troy, Data, and Jordy. Well, hang on. They're all sort of... There's at the, there's the very beginning, which is my quote, mm-hmm. which I'll play here, which is, oh, okay. um, Riker shows up with some scratches on his head and, and this happens. Yeah. Well, I can heal it, of course. But you've got to stop playing Parisi squares as if you're 21 years old. One of these days you're going to fall and break your neck and I'm not going to be able to heal that as easily. I wasn't playing Parisi squares. Worf's calisthenic program. No. I give up. What was it? I was trying to feed Spot. Data's cat? I told him I would feed him while he was gone. I was putting down the bowl of food. The next thing I know, there's a hissing ball of fur coming at my face. I hate cats. I love cats. That's great. But yeah, then then there's the scene right after that. Yeah, where they're sort of having dinner together and just sort of talking and stuff. Like, you can you can really, you get the sense that these guys are sort of friends now, you know? And on the one hand, okay, I don't think that that combination of characters are friends. Like, I think Data and Jordy are. I think Troy and the Captain are. I think mm. everyone else is civil to each other. On the other hand, the interaction is so good, I don't care. Like, well, I will put the- aside my, I don't think, I will actually, I don't, yeah, shut up, it's good. Here's my thing. I think they, I think Picard thinks he and Jordy are friends. I think Jordy is incredibly uncomfortable around Picard. I think Jordy would be terrified of the idea of having dinner with the captain and a few other people. Yeah. It, that, that would be just utterly petrifying to him, whereas Troy is fairly friendly with him. Yeah. And, and of course, Data's, Data gets along well with everyone. Yes. Because who doesn't love Data? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we will answer that question next week. We will. Or um, next episode, I should say. Well, next week also. Yeah. As we continue that. And I will not love Data in, in any way. He broke my heart. But that's 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 for later. But no, there there are some genuinely, when there's not ridiculous, stupid, terrible plot happening, when it's just character yeah. stuff, when it's just characters sitting around. Like you say, when they're having dinner, there's some great, uh, that, that quote from the Picard song, the moving from topic to topic, quite hypnotic, that's from this. And there's a bit where Troy's uh, mocking somebody else at the conference who's basically hitting on her, trying to, trying to sleep with her. And there's a lot of really cute, moments there and he's good at that i will i will give him full props as much as i complain about him being a bad writer as far as i can tell pretty good a character terrible a plot those bit the, the character bits are fantastic it's everything else in the episode yeah. that just drags no and as as far as i can tell braga writes great spot 
Yeah. Like every every funny scene you can think of, because I'm pretty sure he wrote the uh, the spot uh, poem. Oh, really? Maybe not. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. I a, you know what? That's techno babbly enough for me to actually buy it too. I I could be mistaken. Please don't write in and tell me that because I don't care that much. But I can think of a couple of other episodes mm-hmm. where some funny stuff happened with Spot and and Braga was involved, and I'm pretty sure. He just likes the idea of a robot having a cat, and he finds funny stuff in it. It is funny when a robot has a cat. It's, it's funny. It's inherently funny, and he teases the comedy out of it well. Um, so what about you? You must have found at least one good thing. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a shot in this episode where um, uh, where uh, Troy sort of walks into sick bay, and a uh, Romulan is mid-shooting Beverly. Mm-hmm. She's basi- basically her sort of mid-torso is disintegrated. It's a pretty cool-looking shot. It is, and I, for the technology of the time, cannot figure out how they did it. No, it, it, like, like, it just looks cool. Yeah. You can see, like, her guts. Yes. It's some, it's, it's, it's good stuff. I'll mm-hmm. give you that. And I'm I watching, decided... I'm like, how are they going to fix this? They're yeah. going to have to remove her stomach. Well, and see, here's the thing. Here's one of the biggest problems I had was early on, Data said, time has already happened like this. We can't change it. We yeah. can only watch it unfold at the different rates, but we can't change it. Which, if they'd done it that way... If we were watching the inevitable explosion of the Enterprise and they were helpless to stop it, that could have been cool. That would have been really cool. But that's not what happened. They ended up being able to change it. Yeah. What's the point? No, Nothing's like, at stake. It, Nothing matters. They they find the uh, the warp core about to about to breach, and just, yep. Data's like, no, there's nothing we can do about it. It's it's happening. It's just happening slowly. Right. Uh, but then, like, 15 minutes later, it's like, oh, you know, remember what I said about we're not being able to fix it? Yeah, we can totally fix it. Yep. That that just it. So you lied to me, Data. That's what you're saying. Because there was some talk um, about the season six finale, and that's actually the the next episode we're doing, mm-hmm. being the destruction of the Enterprise. And then they would have picked up season seven with reassembling the crew, getting a new ship, all that kind of thing. That could have been cool. But to do it from maybe from this perspective, maybe not necessarily do it in a big action sequence, but do it in this weird sort of creepy, helpless, right. Picard sees the ship slowly exploding and there's nothing he can do about it. That yeah. could have been really cool. And then you make the and then the episode's about like getting all the people off of it. Right. And trying to save, you know, trying to figure out what happened, trying to salvage it, trying to protect, you yeah. know, even protect the Romulans to an extent maybe. I mean, Oh yeah. It, it, I mean, these Romulans cool. are our buddies. Apparently. This I believe there it may there may have been 3, but I think there were only like two Romulan stories this year and this is one of them. Mm. And this other one was, uh, the was the other one facing the yeah other one was facing the enemy. That's the only one I'm thinking of. There yeah. may be another, but uh, not a lot of Romulans going on is my point. No, which is a little disappointing. Well, as but. we move into season seven, there's not a lot of anything going on. So oh, there's plenty going on, Matt. Uh, there is plenty going on. Thrill just... to the mystery of Picard's kid. Chill. Oh shit! I forgot about that. To one. Beverly fucks a ghost. As we were going through the list of season seven, trying to prove that, yes, I do know what I'm talking about. The show yep. does get bad. I forgot about Picard's it's kid. It's like That's the second another... to last episode or something. Yeah, it is. No, 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 no. Because all in a row there, we get uh, the ship is a self-aware train. Ugh. And we get Wesley as a space Indian. Those all happen near the end. So it's yep. near the end. But uh, it's all bunched up with those. It's trying to wrap up all the loose ends. Like, we always wondered if the ship would become a self-aware train. And whew, now we finally close that loop. I always wondered whether or not Data would dream that he had a phone in his chest. See, that one, I I don't remember if I like the episode, but I do like Yeah, that. it's a good-looking episode. Yeah, it is. Nice and surreal. All right, you know what? When we're talking about other episodes during the episode... 
Yeah, I'm trying to go through my notes. A lot of my notes, I wasn't kidding. They, the word bullshit is in here a lot. Yeah. Oh, there was one other thing I actually enjoyed about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're kind of, right after Beverly gets shot over a matter mm-hmm. of $80, um, <laughs> we have Picard trying to deal with that. And then someone else runs in with a new emergency, and another emergency pops up. I like the idea of this stacking, sort of panicking, like, all this, we have to do all this crap at once. Right. And it doesn't really pay off, but I like the idea of that. Yeah, I think I've seen that done better in other episodes, is the thing. Yeah, something like, uh, I think, Disaster. Uh Was it Disaster? Just all this crap going wrong at the same time, and, like... Having to having to deal with that, I like that. Unfortunately, they don't execute it very well here. Not as such, no. Much like everything else in the episode. Pretty much, yeah. No, and and like I say, my notes there are a lot of blah 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 blue blue. What if we could reconfigure the da 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 da? Just not great. And everything. My last note here: everything has been undone and vanished, like nothing ever happened. Get used to that bullshit. Because that's that's the thing that always bugged me most about Voyagers. Like, okay, do this weird story, and then leave the ship damaged or leave something. No, it's like none of this ever happened. They yeah. undid it all. Like, yeah, nothing matters. Nothing happened. Nothing matters. Let's just pretend it never existed. And for an episode that acknowledged so much continuity, you'd think they'd be interested in in adding this to the tapestry of the show. But instead, no, it's like it all never happened. Yeah. Reset button. So that. And, uh, of course, they use black holes as nests because, I mean, that's just obvious. Mm-hmm. That's the other note that I had here. Well, black apparently holes are, uh, you know. the Romulans use black holes to power the ship. Their that ships. I think is cool. It's a cool idea. It makes me think that, like, every time they blow up a Romulan ship, a fucking black hole should form. Well, right, which would be an extra fuck you from the Romulans. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, if you manage to destroy us, we're taking you out with us. Because at the Cause, center of the ship... Yeah, because fuck you. Yeah, exactly. So Romulans, bitch. No. Please don't say that. That's their sign-off. And then they drop the microphone. Stop dropping microphones. Those things are expensive. Tom Locke dropped the microphone and then tripped over it. That's why he never came back. <laughs> I thought he just went upstairs with Chuck Cunningham. <laughs> and never came back down again. Uh all right. Do you have any further business for for Tim Escape, or shall we press uh, forward? No. Let's go on to Descent. So Data's called away from his rousing game of poker night at the inventory to go on a mission <laughs> down to some planet with Bill and Worf for an excellent adventure. On arriving, they are set upon by vicious Borg. During the fight, Data grabs a Borg and angrily throws him through a wall, and realizes that he angrily threw a Borg through a wall, which is weird because... Data only feels things on special occasions. They return to the Enterprise, and Data takes time off to watch porn, seriously, while mm-hmm. Picard gets chewed out by the vig- visiting Admiral Neshien, that bitch, for that time he let the Borg go back to the Collective. Remember that? Jordy visits Data in the holodeck to find him having a Borg-tossing contest with himself in an attempt to get angry again. He tries the, to crank the difficulty up to insanity, but Jordy won't let him because nobody beats Jordy's high score in Borg Tosser. Anyway, then the Borg attack the ship, and the Enterprise crew beat them back and capture one Borg alive. Data goes to a visit. <clears throat> Data goes to visit the Borg who, ta- who taunts him Hannibal style and tells him that he can smell Data's cunt. He asks Data how it feel- felt to kill, and if he enjoyed it, and if he would kill Jordy to feel it again. And it gets really creepy and uncomfortable, and then they flee the ship. The Enterprise gives chase and follows them to Omicron Seti Three. 
Picard beams down almost everyone on the Enterprise to look for data, leaving a skeleton crew with Bever in charge, which has to be a great idea. <laughs> Last chance to prove yourself, Bever. Don't let us down. Anyway, Picard's search party of himself, Troy, Geordi, and Lieutenant about to be killed by a Borg arrive at Zordon's command center and investigate, and then Lieutenant about to be killed by a Borg is killed by a Borg. More Borgs swarm the magic castle, and then out pops well-known schlong not haver and its crystalline entity paramour, Lore. Oh, and Data, too. And it turns out that their new brother bonding thing is to destroy the Federation, so shit. Wait a minute. Mm. You you just summarized the season finale, and you didn't end with your rousing rendition of the Best of Both Worlds music. You, I, I you missed an opportunity there, my friend. I specifically didn't do it. <laughs> because then you would go, don't do that, and we would be talking about it for 20 minutes. Well, now we're going to talk about it anyway. What do you think of that? Yeah. da 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 Done. Ah. Done. 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 Let's let's talk about the music while we're on the subject. Oh yeah. So I was my original bad thing for this episode was the what I thought to be the atrocious music of this episode. It was all it was sort of like a weird take on the on the on the show's normal music, except it was really weird and wavy. It sounded like it was played through a theremin or something. Hmm. And then Al comes and says to me, I don't know what you're talking about with the music. It yeah, listen, I'm like... always down for, if I disagree with you, let's have a debate about it on the show. But what are you talking about? I mean, it sounds like it always does. So yeah. I, wa I I have two versions of it. I had I, I originally watched it on Netflix, and then I watched it again on uh, on DVD on my computer. And the music is absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Which means that the Netflix version of this episode has this insane problem with it where just the music is fucked up. Like, none of the dialogue, none of the sound effects were wrong or different or anything. It's just Could it the be your music. TV? Or have you watched other episodes on that? Oh, no, I've watched tons of episodes on my TV. Because the way some of them are mixed, like stereo-wise, maybe one channel is screwed up on your TV and it's just screwing up the music and not the, the rest no, of I, it? No, I've never had that happen before. Not with Star Trek, not with anything I've watched on my TV. Huh. It's such, it's so weird. That is weird. Yeah, because, no, like I said, I'm always interested in, what you know, like, mm. let's let's talk about this. I didn't agree, but let's, you know, let's have a discussion. That's why we have a discussion show instead of just agreeing with each other. But so, you know, what if are you talking if, about? If there's anyone who watches this show on Netflix, and I know a lot of you guys follow along with us, fucking yeah. send me an email or a tweet or whatever and let me know if your music is fucked up. Yeah, and if it is, we need a petition. Yeah. We need to fix the music on this episode and bring back Firefly. Yeah. That way it'll never get done. Please, please bring back Firefly. <laughs> uh, this one, uh, alternately, compared yep. to Timescape, quite, quite good. This is a fantastic episode. It is. And I've said this before. I dread this because I dread part two. But part yes. one is this great creepy mystery about Data getting angry and what the fuck and also what's going on with the Borg. And it's, yeah. there's some great stuff going on here. The The Data gets angry stuff is so, so unsettling. Well, a lot of it, I mean, some of it is the writing. A lot of it is the way Spiner plays Data yep. because he plays him so childlike and innocent most of the time that when you see a little bit of anger there, it really throws you. You're yeah. like, what? no, what? he's my friend. Why here's, would he? he here, ah. Like, here's the thing. Everybody loves Data. Everybody. Yes. Everybody yeah. in the show, everybody who watches Star Trek, there's no one who doesn't like Data. Mm -hmm. And when he, like, the first, early in the episode, when he, uh, well, we start the episode with him being adorable. 
mm-hmm. hanging out with hanging out with his computer with his computer yeah, genius with, friends uh, with with Sir Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein and Stephen Hawking, right? Who apparently is British, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I only recently learned this myself. Yeah. I, you um, know, some people can just pass with that accent. I don't know. Yeah. I, usually, I can tell, but it's uh, amazing. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so he beams down. They beam down to the uh, down to the ship. And he kills this Borg, and he gets this look on his face. Yep. Just this really sort of chilling, angry look to him. It's it's really upsetting. Yeah, it is. you know, it's Dick. It's our buddy, our android yeah. buddy. And you never see him like that. You see no. him trying to be friendly, but you mm-hmm. never see him trying, you know, apart from that one time he was dating that chick, you never see him, like, trying to be a jerk. It, like, it's just, it's so out of character that it's, it's really jarring, you know? And right. no, and Spiner does a really yeah, good job of and that. And it gets ju- it just keeps getting worse as the episode goes on. Like my is um, yep. the Hannibal scene. Uh, Data's getting interrogated by the uh, by the board captain. Well, it's my quote, so just play it here. Data, do you have a friend? Yes. His name is Jordy. If it meant that you could feel emotions again, the way you did on Onianka 3, would you kill your friend? Would you kill Jordy? Yes. I would. All right. You're, you're, you're making it sound like there's a, um, like Data's being captured, though. He's not, uh, that's he's, the thing. He's not being interrogated. He's he's trying to interrogate the prisoner, but he turns no, it around on him. That's the thing. The, the prisoner completely turns it around on him. It turns yeah, like what you just heard is like, do you have a friend, Data? Would you kill him? Yeah. Would you kill anyone? Well, and the thing is, we talked about this, about picking your quote, because that whole scene is great. Yeah. And, and really, there is a very slow escalation of a good three, three and a half minutes. And yeah. Because we don't want to slow the show down with a full, you know, <laughs> here's 10% of the episode as a quote. Yeah, we, we you just kind of went for the money shot there, but there's it's a very slow boil to that. Yes, I would kill Jordy. Where you might not completely get the context from that little snippet, but it is entirely believable. You believe that he has been sort of gradually escalated to the point where he's considering that. Yeah, it's really creepy. And this is an episode I remember seeing when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and it real it really upset me then too. I bet because you know, fucking Data and Jordy in the morning. Yeah. No, that's... Those guys are best friends forever. There's a, there's a great scene between the two of them where Data's... I mean, and Data spends a good portion of the episode puzzling over what happened. How did I yeah. feel something? How do I feel something again? And he's talking to Jordy because, you know, BFF. Yeah. And he's like, how how would I know if I'm angry or not? And Jordy's like, well, anger is like feeling hostile. Well, mm. Okay, what is feeling hostile like? Well, it's like feeling pissed off. Well, what is feeling... You know what I mean? Like, and he couldn't... Haven't you ever been pissed off? No. That's, I'm Data. That is what I am trying to, to determine. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really interesting thing that kind of makes you think about how emotions work. You can't yeah. you can't really talk about them in terms of uh, you know objective reality. They're they're emotions. It's like, well, what is anger like? Well, have you ever had a headache so bad you wanted to punch a hole in a wall? Sort of like that. That doesn't nope. make any sense at all. <laughs> I don't have headaches. God damn it. <laughs> No, and, and there's a. If you stick around, you'll see what anger is in a second. Yeah, would you quit asking why? But what is that like? But what is that like? But what is that like? What are you for? <laughs> That's actually kind of how it unfolded. 
Well, it's like feeling it's like feeling upset. Well, what is feeling upset like? Well, it's kind of like feeling hostile. Well, what is feeling hostile? Uh, God damn it! <laughs> now I know what feeling angry is. Now ask me what. Now ask me who's on first. <laughs> oh no, Joe Piscopo taught me that one. Oh. Um. This actually like there's a lot of scenes like that. There's a lot of sort of slow. Like sort of meditations on the on the nature of of uh, emotions and stuff, which actually is sort of my good thing. Yeah. The pacing of this episode. This is how you do a season finale. You introduce this huge thing, this huge oh my god, this danger. The Borg are back, and they're worse. They're now they're not like cold, calculating. Now they're pissed off, and they're just like tearing shit up, and yeah. they're they're yelling, and they're just they're, they're. It's so much creepier than them just sort of staring and assimilating and not really caring about you because now they're all powerful and they're aggressively coming for you, which is great. You establish that in like the first act and then you spend the re- the remaining two thirds of the episode just sort of talking and waiting and building that tension. And then you build it back up again at the very end. Yeah. That is how you pace a season finale. That's how best of both worlds was. Fuck. They scooped out a planet. Fuck. There's the board. Now we can hide from them. And then it's quiet for a good long while, and then they steal Picard, and that's the end. And yeah. they do that here. It's it just really, really well paced. Yeah, and I, I know you're not a fan. I really like the cliffhanger with this one. I do not, because they end up in a castle surrounded by Fourth angry Magic board. Castle, which yes. we've been talking about since the first episode of Farpoint. Right. Um, the uh, they're, they're surrounded by angry Borg, who, who come out all going, Rebel, rebel, rhubarb. <laughs> um, you can actually you can see Borg in the background shaking their little fists and right. clapping um, their hands and stuff. And uh, uh, Laura is there, and there's a shot from about crotch level up mm-hmm. where he's doing that sneer. The brothers of Soon have reunited, and he, that's about how he delivers it too. Yeah, and we will destroy the Federation. And it's yes, suddenly, yeah, I, I like that. That that that's that that goes back to that pulp thing that I like so much. See, I enjoy pulp. And I even enjoy Pulp in Star Trek. We do love the original series, after all. Yep. But we spent 90% of this episode with this great psychological, genuinely creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, yeah, we're going to destroy you all! It's just, it's a very abrupt change in, in tone for me that I don't care for. No, I, I, the idea that Lore's, or that Data's evil brother has an army of Borg, <sighs> that speaks to the ten-year-old in me. Listen, I'm fine with a, with an episode that would appeal to a ten year old if the other if the remaining part of the episode wasn't so specifically written to appeal to the the thirty eight year old. Mm. I think that's the problem. Is there's some really nice sort of adult interaction going on there? Oh yeah. And then suddenly it becomes like a kids show. <laughs> Data, I grew this mustache mustache specifically to twirl at the end. <laughs> nah. Now, excuse me, I'm going to tie Troy to these train tracks. Here's the thing. I would like to like Lore. I just mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. I like the way Spiner plays him. I like the idea. If anyone's going to have an evil twin, it could be, you know, the, the robot having a, a different version of him built, you know, before who wasn't quite right. Yeah. Makes the most sense. That makes more sense. Although the, the Riker thing ended up being pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if anyone's going to have an evil twin, that is a really good way to set up having a duplicate of someone who is different. Sure. I, I, but I didn't like the crystalline entity. I He was okay in family, but... I, I mean, that episode's not about him, though. No, not really. He's just kind of... He's there, and he, he moves things along a little bit. But he's, mm-hmm. you know, one of several things going on in there. Um, and then there's this. And... I guess technically I really shouldn't hold the second part of this episode against it, but I, uh, 
He's only in it for five seconds. Yeah. I just, I, I want to like Lore, but I just don't. He's just evil. I don't like just straight up evil. I like some subtlety there. Mm-hmm. There's only been like what th- uh, three lore episodes total. Right? I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty Counting sure the descent ones as one episode. Yeah. Well, and and much like uh, unification, I don't I don't say Spock was in a two parter. I say Spock was in a one parter, yeah. and he was you know he was hinted at at the, at the end of one. Mm-hmm. This this one is not a lore episode. The second one is. Yeah. And this is once again, and we'll go into this way more next week. One of those. This is the shining example of setting up something that could potentially be very, very cool in part one and completely whizzing it down your leg in part two. Mm-hmm. I've been saying this about next-gen two-parters all along, and this is the shining example. It's just... Uh, but again, we're talking about this one, and this one was quite, quite good. Yes. Um, For things that aren't very good... Yes. Here we have the first thing, the, the first appearance of the Borg logo. <laughs> oh, right, because everyone's got to have a logo... We uh we talked about this briefly with uh, Flonk last weekend. Mm-hmm. We have the the Bo- the evil Borg claw. Now, this bugged me. This has bugged me since I got my Borg action figure when yeah. I was a kid. And then all the stands for them, they have like yeah, the Starfleet guys, ever- Starfleet insignia, and the you know the, the, the Romulan guys, have yeah. Romulan insignia, right, and right. all this stuff. So the Borg have the Borg logo, uh-huh. which is on because- the flags in this uh, gym. Yep. Where the Borg live, apparently. They're, they're squatting in a gym, and they the, uh, the the flags that say that they're six-time state champions yep. are apparently their logo the now. Best Borgs. Yes. But not Best Cup, because that's yours. No. Right. No one can take that away from you, not even the angry Borg. Crichus Cry- is their MVP. Croesus, Matt. Croesus. Croesus is their oh, MVP. Oh, God. Okay, so the Borg are all individuals now. We don't know why yet, but I think no. you could probably figure it out because they mentioned Hugh a bunch of times. But we'll, we'll go into that more in the next episode. They're all individuals now, and they all have names, and they're all apparently named by a 14-year-old kid who is super huge into metal. Yep. Because one was Croesus. What was it? There was another one that had a very similar name to him. Oh, God. I don't remember now. But they, they well, all have... Croesus. There, no, because then you said there was one that was called Towels. Oh, that's right. But I think that wasn't spoken on screen, so I don't know no. if that counts. There goes Towels the Borg. Right. <laughs> I like to think that was someone making fun of the, the terrible metal names. Because uh. there was Croesus, and there was something else along the lines of Croesus and Locutus, which sounded sort of vaguely Latin, but also <laughs> vaguely sort of like... What's that? No, I just... Latiny. Yeah, Latiny, but also sort of like... Like it's made of razors, man. Yeah. Like when you're when you're writing the logo on your book cover, you, you got to replace the S's with lightning bolts. Yeah, I can't think of it now. Because it's throwing up the horns, man. That's I, just... I I do know this. Given my druthers, uh, Croesus and, and Towels would have been played by Doc Hammer and uh, Jackson. Croesus and Towels. <laughs> my bad thing. Okay. So, so at the end, you can tell it's season finale time because the, the, the action has ramped up, like I said. It's yep. very well paced. But then you got the entire senior crew, literally the entire senior crew except mm-hmm. one person, which in this case, they actually set it up. Well, okay, if we're all going to the planet, who are we going to leave in charge? Smash cut to Beverly. Oh? Really? Like, that's, who would be stupid enough to take hello? Hello. It's just, it's that bad. And uh, and of course we all know how useless she is, and I think it's even played for laughs to the audience. Like, really, they're going to leave her in charge? Yeah. Oh my God, they're doomed. But okay, you're taking 
Riker, Troy, Worf, uh, Jordy, Picard, everyone down to the planet to look for one guy, mm-hmm. which doesn't make a lick of sense. You're putting th- there is there is actively an emergency uh, out there, you know, out in space. Yeah, there's an on emergency the going on. It's there's going an on emergency. Right now. It's still happening. Of Borg, you know, threatening colonies. Like there's a whole task fleet. There's a whole there's the Agamemnon, there's the Gorkon, and then there's Matt's favorite ship. The crazy horse. The crazy horse. They're all patrolling out there looking for more Borg because they're they're terrified that something's gonna happen. Yeah. And so you just you, you leave the Enterprise with a skeleton crew with the doctor in charge while everyone else goes looking for one guy on a planet. What? It's a, th- that really pissed me off too, because We've established many times. There's what, like over a thousand people on the uh, on the Enterprise, yeah, right? And quite a few of them are um, are, are civilians. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I think there's half or more, slightly more than half are officers. Yeah, but the rest of them are, you know, people like Keiko or, or Guinan, people who are, you know, support staff, or else the families of the of the officers. Yeah, but I mean, like, you really need five hundred people. Yeah, Apparently to find so. to find one guy and his buddy. Right. They don't know that there's like other stuff down there. No, they have no they idea because going on. But all they kinds send of dampening fucking, fields. They send tons of people down there. Yeah, and I know it's because it's the season finale and because you want to have the entire main cast on location, you know, at at where the action is, so that part two can involve everyone and you don't have to be on the ship the whole time. I get that, but uh, writing wise, you really could have contrived that better. Yeah, and I even like the idea of setting up. Beverly as a commander. Like, there's an interesting story there. Unfortunately, I don't think it plays out very well, as I recall. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out next week. I, I remember it being okay. Like, too little too late with her. Uh-huh. But uh, regardless, even if that's the very best Beverly thing ever, like, it's still set up really, really poorly. Mm-hmm. I just, it really surprised me because this episode was written so well. There's so many great little moments. Each scene in itself is fantastic. And then... The overall pacing is great, and there's a lot at stake, and there's a lot of good character stuff. And, you know, all the stuff that I go on and on about bad episodes not doing, this one does. Yeah. But then there's this huge, like, what? Why did you, what? It does not make a lick of sense. No. Not even, not even one lick. It's just, it's irritating, you know? A little bit. It just, it feels like they could have set up exactly the same scenario in a better way. Mm -hmm. But. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um... There's a bit at the beginning where they're before they actually run into the board where they're on the outpost and they're looking at the, the corpses left behind. And they're like, these are done by a, a phaser type similar to the Ferengi. But even the Ferengi aren't this brutal. Like, uh, what? Are the Ferengi... I'm sorry, did, did, you, did you suddenly warp back to season one? Yeah, are we... <laughs> supposed to be afraid of the Ferengi? Like, maybe, maybe that was Ron Moore trying to help out Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the, the brutal Ferengi, right? Yeah. Everyone's still scared of them. <laughs> Hey, brother. How you doing? Now you sound like my dog. Laser whips. <laughs> Cheats made something on a laser whip. <laughs> Whatever happened to the laser... Whatever happened to Homestar Runner? <laughs> yeah. He used to be a terrific athlete, some people said. Yeah. Uh, Why are we talking no. about Homestar Runner and not this good episode of Star Trek? No, I know. There's actually... I wanted to get to this. Um, One of the things I've noticed over uh, as TNG has gone on, and this will go away as we get more of the Borg and Voyager or whatever... Mm. Um. One of the things I really like about the Borg is once you separate them from the collective, mm-hmm. they they do this thing where they start looking for a new collective to join. Right. 
You know, it happened in uh, it happened in Iborg with uh, with Hugh, where he started trying he just to latched connect. on to Jordy. Yeah, he latches on to Jordy and sort of uh, to a greater extent the uh, the Enterprise crew. Right. I really like the idea uh, here, where we have that we have this this band of of Borgs of Borg who have sort of split off from the collective. You know, well, we don't know why we, yet. We, yeah, but, we don't know much about this yet, so don't you know. But well. I like the idea that they've they they've they become like a, like a different type of Borg and are now sort of clustering around around lore instead. Yeah, all they do, they talk about the one, and it sounds one, really yeah. it's, sort it's of like, creepy and cultish. Yeah, it's like instead of being like a uh, like a hive mind, they've sort of become a cult. Right. And, and I is, like that. I like the idea of of religion as this sort of thing. You know. Well, and that was somewhat deliberate. Around the time there was the David Koresh thing going on, there was uh-huh. you know, there's some weird sort of creepy cults like happening at the time, and I'm pretty sure they were trying to channel some of that. That might actually explain the banner now that I think about it. The uh, the state champions. Yeah, if we're gonna if if we're gonna be a cult, we should probably have a logo. Let's have a scary claw. Yeah, that'll be cool, right? Right, Croesus. I Croesus. <laughs> I think yeah, they, we'll get ourselves a banner. It'll be really nice. See, now you're just making me sad that I can't do that voice. You're gonna paint it on the floor. <laughs> also, you're making me sad that I can't think of the other guy's name. There's <laughs> Croesus, and then there's the other one. The, you know, Beavis. <laughs> towels. Towel. Yes, towels. Thank you. Croesus and towels. <laughs> um. That also sounds like they should be a. Uh, should be FBI agents back in the early 90s. Croesus and towels. <laughs> you got too close, Croesus. Now I'm taking over. I'm towels. I play it by the book. Oh, man, our rom- romantic tension's really strong, towels. <laughs> Don't make the subtext text. Where were you raised? <laughs> it's, um... Th- one of the other things that really struck me about the writing is there's a lot of unloading exposition reminding you of what happened in Iborg, Mm-hmm. And it's done in such a natural, organic way. It's not like it's like the exact opposite of how they do it in, t- in Tim Escape. Right. It's it's very like there's a there's a bit with Admiral Neche of which we both agree makes us like you, it just makes your fist curl up like oh god I hate her. But on the other hand, it's like you love Itch. to hate her. Uh, it's not. I like noticed a, we, both, we both have the note here when she shows up. Ugh, that bitch. Well, I I had a, I had a. Uh, I had a different word there at first, and I felt that was a bit unfair. <laughs> I feel like I should save that. <laughs> um, but uh, there, there's basically, she just recounts exactly what happened in Iborg, but she does it from her character's perspective. Like, in a way so that we know her objections to it. She's like, uh, you took a Borg on board, and you sent him back, and da 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 You took a Borg on board, and well, you sent him back. You make, you make it sound like Mr. Hengus in drag. That's right. Miss Hengus. Miss Miss Hengus. Ms. Hengus. It's Very none well. of your business. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> but it's, um, it's very, um, it's very natural. It's very mm-hmm. part of the, you know, like, I can't believe you did this and this and that plot point, plot point, plot point. Yeah. But she's angry about it, which is, you know, which is very cool. Really... Also, you get the awesome "Yes, sir" from Picard. Oh yeah, she's like, "You will, you know, if you he... if you have an opportunity, you will kill them next time." He just stands straight at attention. Yes, it, sir. He's he's about to go into one of his Picard speeches, and she cuts him off. Yep. It's like I don't care about your stupid about your speech. You kill all of them. 
And I like still getting Mr. Hengus from that. Yeah, it's right. All right. You're creeping me out, man. <laughs> don't want to think of Mr. Hengus as... as ah. Ah. Anyway. Matt Roboth, a man of two voices. <laughs> I am just tripping balls here right now. <laughs> they do this great thing where they take... Picard goes through these moral, you know, like, some of the best episodes, and Iborg is one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. They put him in a, in a really rough situation where he's got to wrestle with his conscience, figure out what the right thing is, and then do it. And now we come back to it, and like, maybe that wasn't the right thing. Maybe it wasn't all neatly wrapped up in a nice bow when you sent you away. Maybe there's, you know, maybe there were consequences to your actions. And it's it's a cool way to say, you know... To, to add not exactly serialization, but an element of things don't just go away when you warp off into the sunset kind of thing, yeah. which I like. Yeah, it's that I continuity mean, thing we like so much. It is, but it's also, it's a whole, it's a whole, there is no black and white answer necessarily. There is yeah. no, you didn't necessarily find the right answer. Like, I like the moral ambiguity is what I like. The idea that he thought he did the right thing, and eh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe one of those other arguments you were entertaining was actually the right thing. Yeah. Now you got to face that. And you can tell he's very angry at Beverly in one mm-hmm. scene. And you can kind of tell why. Because she's oh, yeah. the one that started the whole, you're going to turn this person into a weapon thing. Your damn fault I got yelled at. Yeah. Nietzsche should be yelling at you. How'd you like that, huh? She's a real bitch. Yeah. I was going to use the other word, but I didn't. You're welcome, Beverly. <laughs> Uh, that's all I got. Just to, just for that, I'm putting you in charge of the ship. There. Now, what are you going to do, fly it into the sun? Oh, you are. Well, oh, no! Spoilers, I guess. Um, there's a weird thing right at the beginning of this episode. Is it where... Stephen Hawking? No, no. That's not very nice. Is it Stephen Hawking? <laughs> Don't call him a weird thing. Okay. He's a distinguished professor. He is. And he's English, apparently. Yeah. Never would have known. Um, no, there's a weird thing here where the uh, the uh, the t- the episode title and the oh, yeah. opening credits all appear in the, the, teaser, the, opening, yeah. the opening teaser. And for a while, I'm watching and I'm like, did they do this so that they could cut out the uh, the opening credits? Because I've seen TV shows do that. Sure. Like, um, just off the top of my head, my head, Venture Brothers started doing that last year where they would just cut out the opening credits. Yeah, because you get so a full extra 30 or 60 seconds of episode yeah. that way. And I thought that was weird because they don't do they didn't do that back then. Well, no, but Seinfeld was the first big show that said, you know, we're we're wasting show time here doing yeah. credits. Let's let's run show where the credits are. Mm-hmm. But then they roll into the opening credits. It's 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 weird, and I don't know why they do it, and I can't really find an explanation for it. No, it might be just that whole like I remember when this episode aired. We I think we both watched it at the time. Maybe it was just the whole we know it's the season finale sort of building anticipation kind of thing, mm-hmm. like. It gives you that psychological feeling of we're down to business. This isn't a teaser. We're just in it now. Yeah. Maybe. I I don't know. Which is interesting, but, you know, then we do the opening credits anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just think it's weird. It is. It is it is weird. But it's also, it's sort of like the music thing, where it's an interesting thing to notice, but it also doesn't really matter. Like, it, it's not really, you know, it doesn't really affect the episode. Mm-hmm. But. What else? Um... I mentioned this briefly in my summary, but Lore's Magic Castle is uh, the it actually is the base from Power Rangers. Oh, it is for real. Yeah, it totally is for real. Uh, another reason I don't care for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's record show I don't like Power Rangers. Good, good. 
Good, 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 good. Nobody does. No, a lot of people do. Nobody does. Um, that's uh, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. Oh, oh, you did mention in your summary that Data watched porn. That is not a... Oh, yeah, that's fucking funny. Yeah, he's going through... He's like, well, I tried listening to some inspirational operas. I tried watching some comedies. I looked at erotic imagery. And then there's a nice little beat where Troy's trying not to laugh looking at him like, hmm, so, so you did. Okay. Data watching porn must be the creepiest thing in the world to watch. I, why would you... Why? Why would you make me think about that? Like... Yeah, I know. I know. I, I say just leave it. Just, there's an image for you people. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy that. Enjoy that. Yeah, I guarantee it's on Tumblr already. Oh, totally. And if not, I you know, hey, what the hell, draw it, show us, why not? Yeah. Just uh, put our logo in there somewhere. Yeah. Get people listening to the show. <laughs> the show where they talk about data masturbating. Although I don't think he masturbates. They never said that. No, he just watched porn. Yep. So wait, is, so is getting an erection, is that an emotion? I thought it was a symptom of an emotion. I thought it was a biological imperative. Oh, is that too? Yeah. Like you could, I, I mean, Vulcans get boners, I'm sure. Oh, totally. And not just every seven years either. No. So. I mean, you know, Spock was always putting like a tricorder down there and so no one could see it. Right. You know, he had to write something on the board. <laughs> all right, Mr. Spock, why don't you write something on the board for all of us? <laughs> can you answer this equation? Oh, shit. I'll do it, Captain. No, I asked Mr. Spock, mister. Too late. Too late. Oh, and look what I have. Oh, so, no. A boner? Yes. Oh, God. I think we're done here, Matt. I agree. <laughs> uh, so, next week, we will be joined by our pal Beeve to, yep. uh, to talk about part two. Of descent and then whatever the other one is. Hmm. As, descent and rest. As we enjoy our descent into season seven. Yep. Which is just awful. Uh huh. Couple of bright spots, but strap in because the next. Uh, well, let's see. What is it? June. We're we're until uh, September. Yep. So the next two or three months, gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. Also, I think we mentioned this before, and it's still nowhere close to official. Uh, we will be at the uh, Rose City Comic Con in uh, in Portland, Portland, yes. Oregon, in uh, the the last weekend of September. That that is a fact. Mm-hmm. We have applied for another panel that we have not heard back from yet. We'll probably know in uh, July or August, I think. Yeah, um, and w- once we know, we'll make you know. Oh yeah, we will not shut up about it. No. But after our last panel w- went so well, and we enjoyed that so much, we really hope we get another opportunity to get in front of people with this stuff again. Yes, as uh, is our custom. As as is now our... Well, if we get two, then it is a custom. Yes. Then it's no longer a Right now, it's just as is our want. Right. And I do want. Yes. If if the timing works out, if we do get that, then that episode that week will be First Contact. Mm-hmm. And we'll be doing that in front of people. So that, that will be an interesting show. Mm-hmm. Um... Website, as always, postatomichorror.com. If you want to write to us, it is postatomichorror at gmail.com. We have an app that has uh, reviews of all of the original series in it for no money right now. Yeah, you can just have it. Yeah, for for iOS, for your your iPads, for your iPhones, so forth. For your iPad phone. Yes. I have an iPad phone now. Really? Yeah. It's it's like one of those iPads that's too small to be an iPad but too big to be a phone. Mm. 
It's an iPad phone. You make phone calls on it? I don't make phone calls on my iPhone. What's a phone call? <laughs> what do I call Mabel and tell her to give me Klondike 6724? That's right. Oh, well, then yes, I do make phone calls. I wasn't sure what oh. you meant by that. Oh, well, good. This app has all of our thoughts on everything from The Cage through the 2009 uh, Abrams movie. All our thoughts from The Cage to The Cage. Yes, which covers a lot of episodes, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is uh, material you have not heard on the show, and it costs nothing right now. If you have an iOS device, you can just have it. Go to the Apple Store and get it. Or the App Store, excuse me. The Apple Store is the physical place. Yes. I mean, I guess you can go there, too, if you want. Yeah, it won't really help you. Say, hey, yeah. geniuses, give me the post-atomic horror app. And they'll go, um, okay. And they won't know what that is. No. They, and then you can make fun of them, because they're not geniuses. Yeah, you could tell them what it is, because you should really be spreading the word about the show. Yes. So there's that. Oh, one one final thing. Uh, if you go to postatomichorror.com and you click on the store link, uh, you will find uh, a link to our store, which is mostly for our other podcast, for Sarcastic Voyage, but there are things with the Post-Atomic Horror logo on them. There are shirts. Uh, we have stickers and buttons and clings, stuff like that. Uh, if you like our cool logo, which was done by uh, our pal Vishal Varadwaj, which you should, it's it's great, mm-hmm. um, go get a shirt. And on the back, it says, uh, see you folks. Which, yeah. as we end the show, that's what you say, isn't it, Matt? See you folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.